Hello and welcome to a very special pilot edition of the Football Focus podcast. I'm your host, Steve Stokes, aka The Foot Coach, and every week we're going to bring you all the latest news, views and insights regarding FIFA Ultimate Team. But not only that, from time to time I'll also be digging through my contacts book and sitting down with a pro FIFA player to get their insider's view of what we should all be doing to get the most from our gameplay. We're starting off today with one of the world's best, former E-World Cup finalist Dylan Campbell. After taking the competitive scene by storm in 2021, Dylan enjoyed another successful campaign last year and earned trips to Copenhagen and London from his native Australia, where he competed in the Club World Cup finals and the FIFA Global Series. So sit back and enjoy our chat as we discuss a wide range of topics, including a discussion that you will not want to miss regarding FIFA 23's new chemistry system. Dylan, hello. It's been a long time. How are you? It's uh, a lot's happened. You've uh, you've been a busy man. You've been over in the UK. You've changed teams. You're no longer with Order. You've, you've moved to Footwiz. Blimey. It's been very busy over the past, gosh, three, four months, I would say. I mean, the last time I was on a podcast would have been six months ago. I didn't even have Audacity downloaded on my new PC, and that's oh. not even new, so... It's been a while since I've done this, but yes, lots has changed since the last time I was on. Past month in particular has been pretty chaotic in terms of signing for a new team now, Team Footwiz, which I'm yeah. incredibly stoked to be at, uh, be part of the team. Um, but yeah, lots of things happening, and uh, this is another one of them. Got back on a podcast again with uh, yourself, <laughs> of course. Just looking forward to that one. Not, not quite as exciting as coming over to the UK, though, and I mean at least now you can and just let me reassure you nobody in australia is listening to this anyway so you can confess that england is a much superior country to australia it's fine i'm not gonna lie like (laughs) i was a little bit disappointed by england the last time i was really the last time i was in england i I remembered it as a bit different to what i experienced this time we'll we'll leave that there and fifa 23 uh no no go on tell me tell me Dil. I don't know. It's just like I prefer the housing style over here. Just like the way the streets look in Australia, in particular Sydney. I don't know. It's just personal preference. But look, I enjoyed my time in London. Yeah, I mean, I got to meet a lot of people. Got to try Nando's for the first time in the oh. UK. They've got it here in Australia, but typical teenager. Yeah, I mean, look. What about the pubs? Ah, uh, there are a couple. Not too much though, because at that time we were very much focused on yeah. FIFA and practicing, but there were a couple a couple occasions, yeah. <laughs> right, well, I um, obviously don't agree with you, and, and none of our English listeners will, but I'm sure all of the Australian ones will. Let's get on to FIFA, Dilt. That's why we're here, fundamentally. And there are a few things I want to look at, really. We're obviously going to focus on the gameplay side of things. I want to start off by looking at a few things which certainly seem to be a little bit uh i don't like the phrase broken but should we go with overpowered they're a little bit overpowered and i want to start with with shooting and the first thing that i think most people would agree it's one of the hot topics in the community at the moment is the l2 Trevella shot the uh the outside of the foot shot what do you make of that 
I do agree it is extremely overpowered and I do think they probably will have to nerf it in the first patch that's coming out, if not the second patch at the very latest, um, because it is it is a big issue at the moment. Um, I like how the games are high scoring, but the fact that these shots go in so consistently, you don't have to time the yeah. shot either. And yeah. some of the angles you can score from are just stupid. Yeah, I think it is a big problem at the moment. At first, when I started using them, I quite enjoyed it because like they look satisfying to score. Like no complaints <laughs> on that end. But I think for the balance of the game, um, there definitely needs to be some tuning done to these Travella shots. Does it remind you a bit of where we were at this time last year with the finesse shot? I think so, but these are even more overpowered, I would like to say. Mm, more consistent. Yeah, without a doubt. The thing is, you can score it with anyone as well. It doesn't have to be someone who's got outside of the foot shot trait. Literally anyone on the pitch can perform it. So it's one of those where, you know, I think they might need to find a solution. Maybe players who have the trait, it's more consistent or more accurate. Whereas the players that don't, you know, there's going to be large variation on the success of the shot. But I'll be interested to see how they end up tweaking it because, yeah, as I said, it's a it's a really big problem at the moment. It is. It's crazy. I've been whacking them in with Jordi Alba, for heaven's sake, you know. There'll be a lot of listeners, uh, you know, with the game coming out this week that are, that are fairly new to things. So can you talk us through how you would, what would be your ideal position for hitting the L2 Traveller shot? I think the most consistent area for me has been just outside the 18-yard box. Um, yeah. Maybe a distance anywhere between like 20 to 25 yards and kind of near to like the corner of the box kind of area. Yeah. I think that angle, it just gives like the most spin and like a lot of dip. The keepers never seem to be able to save it from there. Whereas like when you're more central, I don't feel like they're as successful. In saying that though, you can use the outside of the foot uh, shot a lot in terms of near post as well. But I feel like you have to be closer to the goal for that. I don't have as much of an issue with those, but Mm -hmm. the keepers really can't save those either. So We're going to get to keepers. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We're going to get to keepers. As I said, I think those two positions are probably the best. Like close to the goal, you can finish near post. Otherwise, like close to the corner of the box, just outside the 18-yard box. And obviously, they're much more effective when you've got your, your body opened up slightly to that sort of basically to that 45 degree angle that you hit the finesse from would you agree yeah 100% I agree with that I think also one of the big components when it comes to success of the shot is you want to make sure your play is not stationary I feel like they've got to be moving have the momentum to get like the power on the shot because if they're stationary a lot of the time you know the keepers will just catch the ball um they do go in but it's better to be moving okay right staying with finishing the finesse shot it's not the ones from outside the box, as we're saying, you know, that's kind of been replaced by the Traveller, but they're still pretty good from inside the area, right? Yeah, I think inside the box, to be honest, the finesse has probably been my favourite shot to take. I think you don't have to put a lot of power on it either with the new shooting system when like the power bar is like less than 40%, I believe. Right. The shot is like low, and then if it's like above that, it's go for the top corner um i feel like 
both of those work. You don't have to put a lot of power. It'll go bottom corner. Put a lot, it'll go top corner. It's just been my favorite way of scoring, especially when you green time it as well. It seems to have a really high success rate. Are you a fan of green timing this year? Do you think it's important? I think it is important in the sense that when you do time it, the amount of power that gets generated on the shot is ridiculous and the keepers really struggle to save it. It's not a necessity to be timing everything, but it most definitely helps this year. Yeah, I think so. I think if you can do it, is basically going to be the rule of thumb, isn't it? You, you're never going to lose anything by, by timing it. So if you can, certainly do. The power is a perfect link to the next shot I want to look at, but I'm going to absolutely wreck that link by going back to the, uh, the Traveller shot because we, we didn't really talk about how much power you want to be putting on the shot. I'm going to say about three bars. What do you think? There's four bars in total, right? Four bars is maximum power. Spot the pro. Uh, gosh, I don't even know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say not full power, but like anywhere between three, three and a half bars is pushing it. Right. Depends how far out you are, but yeah, I would say three bars is like the sweet spot. So that's three bars out of nine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Moving swiftly on. Uh, the power shot deal. How about that? Everybody's... Uh, Everybody's raving about this, and a lot of people are, are saying it's the most OP shot. I wouldn't agree with that. And it's 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 crazy the manual aim on it. I I the first time I hit one, I um I sent a bloke to hospital in the stands selling beef burgers. I didn't even know they were in the game. Never mind that. What do you think about them? Do you think they they are as uh, as OP as as people are making out? Or uh, yeah, what do you think? I think they are very strong. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're like super overpowered. I think the Traveller shot has kind of put them in the shadow a little bit. Um, the more people have like discovered this Traveller shot, like it's the glaring issue at the moment. Mm. I think power shots are a good addition to the game. I found it's kind of balanced be- just because of how long it takes for the animation yeah. to go through. I don't think it's as overpowered because of that. You have to pick your time to use it. If you're playing against someone who's really good at defending, they're not going to give you the space. So in that sense, I do think it is fairly balanced. It is, though, fairly overpowered, I would say. The main issue with the power shots, I wouldn't say is a shot itself. It's more so, again, we'll come back to this, the goalkeepers. (laughs) I find that when you even... (laughs) Even if you shoot it straight down the middle, like a lot of the time it'll go in. So I don't think it's too overpowered. I think if they can change other things it'll become a very balanced mechanic. The way that I actually stopped myself from from hurting food vendors was by aiming at the goalkeeper. Because as long as it's not straight at him, it's going to go in. That's another thing I forgot to mention is the fact that it is manual as well in terms of the aiming. I think that adds another component to the skill level in terms of executing it. Um, so you do it does take some skill to you know put it on target whether that's in the top corner also with timing it's incredibly difficult for me so far to be able to time the power shots right because it's got a completely different timing window to the uh, all the other shots really the finesse traveller um, yeah. so yeah I do think you know that also adds a, a component in terms of making a balance whereabouts are you taking the power shot from generally it's anywhere between 25 to 30 yards. 
Um, I wouldn't go like 35 plus, but anywhere like edge of the box and, you know, long shot range is kind of the, the place for me at the moment. I don't think inside the box you get enough time yeah. to be able to, you know, pull off the shot. Um, I feel like if someone just charges their keeper out, the keeper more often than not just dive on the ball. So it's another one of those where it's predominantly being used as a long shot. So if you're trying to score a long shot, is it fair to say pretty much if you've got that if you've got that angle where you're on the corner of the penalty area, that's where you're hitting the Travellers from. And if you're more central, that's where you're banging the power shot, right? Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, the only thing is I wouldn't use the power shot unless you know, you've got a lot of space because it's really easy for your opponent to close you down otherwise. Yep, yeah, and I'd go along with that. Right, with there, Dill, we're on to the subject you've been dying to discuss. Why? Every year, it seems to happen every year now. Why can't they get goalkeepers right? Why are they so... They're shocking. I don't know what it is with goalkeepers. Like, on one hand, I quite enjoy the fact that almost every shot seems to be going in at the moment. Yeah. But it's also incredibly frustrating, you know, when you feel like you're defending almost perfectly for someone to resort to a shot from, you know, an angle where you'd be more than happy for them to take it. You think they're just giving away possession of the ball. And then ends up going top corner or it goes straight through the goalkeeper. It's like, it's really frustrating. Um, and I do think this is probably one of the bigger issues in the game at the moment. And if goalkeepers do, you know, get a buff, save shots that they should be saving because at the moment they're just not, then I think that solves the issue with, first of all, the Travella, yeah, and also the power shot as well being super overpowered. To an extent with the Travella, because a, a large component of that is the shot itself being so accurate. But I think the biggest issue with the shooting at the moment is those goalkeepers. Who are you using at the minute in goal? At the moment, I've got... Let me check. I bet it's not Donnarumma. It's Lloris in my main team. But I've only <laughs> just started playing. The keeper that i found the best so far, which is a little bit ironic considering my opinions on oh, him last year. Really? Is Allison. Oh, Alice! I thought you was going to say Donnarumma for a minute there. No, not Donnarumma. I thought <laughs> Allison was woeful last year. This year yep. he has pulled some worldy saves. That's another thing right. with keepers, though. I find sometimes they make the most ridiculous saves you'll see, and then the rest of the game, or yep. I don't know, five games in a row, they won't save a single shot. So they need to find a balance with that. They do. I can't say that I'm... I like to be positive, Bill, but I can't say that I'm overconfident based on what happened last year because... Let's be honest, they never really fixed them, did they? They were never really quite right last year, I don't think. No, but honestly, give me goalkeepers from last year. I won't be complaining. It's better yeah, than this no. year. <laughs> That's fair. Right, next subject. Again, this is one that everybody's talking about. It's, it's stark staring obvious that it's not necessarily an issue, but it's, uh, it's something that's different to last year, and that is... Left stick dribbling, and that's always been a, a really key component of your game, hasn't it? That's That's been really essential to the way you play and the, the success you've had the last few years. What do you think of that, and uh, what are you uh, what are you doing in order to be able to to try and compensate for the fact that it's, it's so slow and turgid? Yeah, I mean, there's no real way to sugarcoat it. I'll just be honest about it. Left stick dribbling is almost non-existent this year if you compare yep. it to previous years of FIFA. Um, yeah. 
it's incredibly difficult to do anything, especially when you're playing against someone who can defend. All they've got to do is get a defender close to you. Even if the defender's on the back, you can't turn. Like the defender will just outmuscle you. It's really difficult to create space at the moment unless it's through skill moves or through just, you know, spamming passes. Um, mm. And it's something that I've really been struggling with because, as you mentioned, left stick dribbling was probably the biggest component of my gameplay over yeah, the past two sure. years and in contributing to the success that I've achieved. So it's been a real difficult one trying to learn how to create chances again. But in saying that, I found there are certain certain ways to use left stick dribbling and you've got to be very selective in how you choose to use it. I think for the most part, passing is the, the best way to move around the pitch. But yeah. in certain scenarios, like you've got to be selective where you use it. It can be successful. So what you're saying basically then is is this a an exclusive for football focus that Dylan Campbell is saying that he's washed in, in FIFA twenty three? Uh I wouldn't quite go as far <laughs> as saying that just yet. But we we do need to find some solutions to this dribbling because it could be a long old year if that is not resolved for me. I've heard rumours that you're already on your way to becoming the uh the greatest skiller in the entire antipodes. Yep, that is correct. There we go. I wouldn't go as far as saying <laughs> everywhere, but specifically in Australia and New Zealand, Yep, I will become the best skiller. I've already made great strides on my quest to achieving that. So you can watch more in this space uh, soon because I've already learned a few things and I'm going to be getting a couple other renowned skillers to be helping me in achieve that. Have you got the hang of the Berber spin yet, Dil? Of course, I know how to do a Berber spin. That's a classic <laughs> for me. FIFA 17, back when I was a gold three player, that was my go-to. That's where everything started, the Berber spin. I, I think we might have to get your uh, your mate Mark 11 in at some point to uh, with a right to reply. <laughs> Bit of rivalry there. Uh, right, yeah. Um, we'll come back to skill moves later, actually. Uh, obviously, I'm just kidding. I know you are a, a f- Far more than competent skiller. Other things that are OP. Slide tackle. How about that? Yeah, I actually didn't think it was a huge issue until a draft final that I played where every time I got in behind, I had, I think it was CR7. Right. This guy, he was just flying in with slide tackle because he was snapping me every time <laughs> with Koulibaly yeah. it was. And the ref didn't call a single foul. For some reason, he won the ball clearly Every single tackle. It must have been minimum 10 side tackles that he won. Wow. I was I was going to be one-on-one with the keeper and he just flies in from like five yards away. And I, I don't know how it was so good, but for me, it's a problem how how effective they are. I bet you were spewing. That, that's another... I've been telling Dylan that I'm learning to speak Australian to, to help with these, these interviews. Yeah, I bet you were spewing, mate. Of course. I was livid, honestly. Like, <laughs> the fact that this guy... He just launched himself in every time. And f- for some reason, I don't know why, but I found that when you slide in, like no matter which way you turn uh, when you're the attacker, the defender, for whatever reason, will always find a way to get a foot on the ball. Like it yeah. doesn't matter which way you turn, the AI will yeah. predict it. So it's like, I think it needs to take a bit more skill. I like that slide tackling's a thing. Like I do like that. Yeah. But I do think it is a little bit overpowered as it stands at the moment 
there's got to be more of a sort of risk reward element to it right because you although you're going to pay the price if you do it without giving it any thought whatsoever you know you're going to lose your defensive shape generally speaking if you're in a position where there's a reasonable chance that you can get away with a slide tackle you do you you tend to you know as long as you're coming from more or less in front of the player you can be pretty much guaranteed to get a foot in but as you're saying as well you know when when you had this issue with Koulibaly and Ronaldo it, it can be frustrating I do think one of the things that probably contributes to it is how poor left stick dribbling is. Like you can't really yeah. get away from the defender. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of a compounding issue there. But I do think, you know, exclusively looking at side tackles by themselves, I do think there needs to be a, a bit of tuning to them. Okay. So Dylan Campbell, FIFA 21 E World Cup finalist. What is the most effective build-up play style in FIFA 23? Well, I have come across two so far that seem to be by far the best. Right, I know one. The first one that you will know is... Here we go. Brace yourselves, listeners. From what I've found, the best way to play is, you know, you sit back, as soon as you win the ball, if you see that your opponent in particular is like, push a lot of players forward, which across the community, that seems to be the general approach at the moment, just because it's difficult to create chances for people committing their midfielders forward, sometimes fullbacks. Yeah. Easiest way to, you know, score and build up is genuinely, as soon as you win the ball back, get it to one of your midfielders or your wingers or your cam, depending on which formation you're playing. And as soon as you do that, you trigger instantly L1, with your striker let him run in behind over the top through ball and you're in on goal oh, there we it's, go. it's it. going to be another one of those years like some of the through balls I've been seeing are ridiculous another yeah. one that people are doing especially in the pro scene at the moment is maybe like a switch from or you press square from your centre back so let's say you're playing a 4-4-2 from a centre back to the left midfielder and then on the volley people are doing first time over the top through balls to the striker oh, no. in behind. So I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that is a thing. Uh, watch out for that. Um, but through balls... What you are, mean is that's what you've been doing, isn't it? Come on, fess up. Not, not personally, because I don't like two striker <laughs> formations and left mid, right mid. I prefer... Oh, right, no, yeah, true. I prefer one striker formation, but that is probably what people are going to be seeing a lot in the competitive scene. It's every bit as strong as last year, isn't it, basically? Yeah, I would agree. It's just yeah. people are probably using it more now just because they're finding it difficult to, you know, build out build up and play out from the back. Yeah. Especially when people are pressing you. Um with this new I don't know what it's called, the quick press or you double tap R one. Partial press. Partial press, that's the one. Especially when people are using that. It's really difficult to get out from the back. because um, if you play it from your centre back to one of your centre mids and they're back, or if they're facing their own goal, they're back towards the goal, then it's really difficult to turn out from the press of your opponent's centre mids. Yeah. So that's why I feel like the easiest approach generally is just get it out as quick as you can. Although in saying that, you've got to be very careful playing out the back. But getting the ball wide maybe to any wingers or wide attacking mids you got, back into the centre midfielders playing over the top through ball, to your cam over the top through ball to the striker. It's like, for me, the easiest way of scoring at the moment. 
especially if you've got a certain player in your lineup that we're going to come to very shortly. Yep. Um, while we're talking about partial team press, actually, I don't want to go into too much depth on this right now because it's it's still very much a new feature. There's a lot of nuances to it, and I think it's going to take people a while to, to fully adapt to it and understand what they can get out of it. But in my opinion, I think that that could be that could create the biggest skill gap in FIFA 23, the difference between players who are good at the partial team press and the ones who just don't really use it because they, they don't understand how to operate it. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest things will be also switching out from the, the partial team press. So when you trigger it, knowing when to right six switch to the right player because what I found this year is if you do uh, second man press, like on the wing, for example, and you don't switch to the, the manual second man pressing with, like the AI is controlling, it's yeah. very easy to spin past that AI control defender, uh, which yeah. I personally yeah, like. Yeah, they stand off. Yeah, they stand off this year, which I personally like because it forces you to defend manually. So I do agree that I think it is a bit early to say how much of an effect it will have, but I can see a world where it will probably create a very big skill gap. If you are going to start experimenting with it, by the way, dear listener, do not do what a guy I came up against when I was just going through the uh, the bottom divisions and rivals, what he did. He kept using it with his centre-backs and his defenders, and it was just an absolute mess. You could you could drive several buses through his defence. If you're going to use it, use it with your attackers or your midfielders. If, if the ball transitions into your final third, either be incredibly careful if you use it or don't use it at all. Right. Um, what have we got next? We have got tips for set pieces. They've, they've totally um, rebuilt the way that we operate with set pieces. I've seen you bang in a few very nice free kicks, uh, mainly the Travellers, but I've seen you go the other way too. So can you fill us in? I actually really like the new set piece system, except for penalties. I don't like the changes they made to pens. I think those were honestly fine. Um, but mm. more so on like, that's more so on a pro or competitive level. Because in that game mode, you can't see the circle. Um, yeah. So I don't like that personally. That's going to cause problems. Yeah, I don't like that personally. But going back to the things I do like, corners and free kicks. I'll start with yes. corners. Um, I like the way that you're able to manipulate or choose where you want to hit the ball. So yep. whether that's outside of the foot, a traveller, a knuckleball, whether you want that to be like a chipped ball, low. I really like that. On corners, I found generally I'm playing it short and doing a normal cross in. I just haven't found the best way to cross the ball in yet from a corner. But free kicks, I'm having a lot of joy with at the moment. In particular, the, I don't know what it's called, inside foot curled shot, I think it is. For me, the easiest way to score it is doing a power free kick. It's like holding L1 when you shoot and then trying to green time that. The amount of power they generate, especially with the spin or the curl on the ball as well, it's pretty crazy. Um, okay. And generally I use that when it's, I don't know, 25 yards or more out from goal. Otherwise, closer to goal, I'm just doing a normal shot. And majority of the time it's inside of the foot, so rather than a traveller, I find it's just easier to be able to get the right curl on that. Otherwise, another set piece that I've been using a lot is when it's further out. So even if it's like, 25 to maybe 35 yards out if the 
position of the free kick isn't, you know, ideal for a shot. I find a lot of the time, if you can put in a, a chipped ball, like press square in behind right. the defense, you've got a, a tall striker in particular, someone it's better to have a striker rather than defender just because they, they move better. Yeah. If you can do that, chip the ball in behind and try to find a header. The aim is to try put it in the spot where you force the goalkeeper to come out, but they don't quite manage to get to the ball ahead of your striker. So it's an easy header past the keeper. Um, that's really, really good on this game. It's just about finding, you know, where to hit the ball, the sweet spot, so that the keeper comes out as well. Um, but that just takes some experimentation. Yeah. Okay. I think as well, I've, I've seen one or two players just going back to corners. I don't know where this is going to end up, but I've seen quite a few people having success from, as you said, calling the player short and then playing the pass up to the edge of the box again and then just whacking shots from there. The first time shot looks looks quite effective from there. What is going to be the meta for this year, Dil? In terms of formations, tactics, like play style. I'll tell you what, let's... Yeah, let's leave the meta alone for now. We'll, we'll, yeah, let's go with formations. What formations do you particularly like, and do you see a world where we could get away from from four four two and four two three one being the meta? Personally, I've preferred four two three one, four triple two, and four three three. The fourth variation, the one with the cam and the two center mids. Okay. I don't know. Personally, I just prefer those for the build-up play. I like having the players out wide, and then I feel four-two-three-one and four-three-three fourth variation are very similar. Yeah, how they line up, it's just yeah. one's a bit more offensive. Another one that I've been seeing make waves a lot, though, especially in the competitive scene, is five-one-two-two. I think yeah. it's called new formation. Um, and I can understand why. It's effective. People are pretty much putting instructions on the left wing back and right wing back just to bomb forward mm-hmm. and have the CDM just stay back and just drop, you know, so there's always four men back defensively. Yeah. So effectively what you've got going on is your three center backs, your CDM when you're going forward is just sitting in front of those three defenders. And then you've got the wing backs who can just bomb forward, two center mids and two strikers. So effectively you've got what, six players in the attack at once. You've got players that are wide, players on the edge of the box in your center mids, and you've got two strikers you can do one-twos between. So I think that could potentially be very effective, although I have not tested it myself personally. I had a look at it when I heard everybody raving about it, and I can see why it's popular. I mean, it's new. It's, it's got a novelty factor as well. I think that's part of it. But yeah, in terms of tactics, it's definitely easy to to create opportunities against a back four. I would say it's more difficult if somebody's playing a back three. And what I found was that I didn't really get the width that I was hoping I'd get because quite often I did want to put it out wide and the wing backs just weren't quite there. Yeah, I can't really ask you to comment, I suppose, if you've not really tried it, but that that was certainly my experience with it. Um, But it would be interesting. Interesting to see where that one ends up, I suppose. Tactical sliders, Dil. What are you doing with them? I know most pros tend to keep them pretty much somewhere near the centre at the start of the game. Am I right in assuming that would be the case with you? Yeah, at the moment, um, I've not really experimented too much just yet. I think at the start of the game, it's always best just to get a sense 
of the gameplay itself, certain mechanics that are new, yeah. the general movement of players. So I've just at the moment got balanced on all of my tactics. And then in terms of width and depth, it's either between 45 to 55. Yeah. So it's, it's just keeping things as balanced as possible. And then once I figure out, you know, how to play the game, then I'll start to, you know, develop more tactics. Player instructions, pretty vanilla too. Yeah, player instructions. I quite like the deep-lying playmaker instruction on CDMs. Okay, interesting. Um, I quite enjoy that. And then... What What do you... I like having one fullback on balance. What do you like about the deep-lying playmaker? Uh, I don't actually know what it does too much. I've just found that a lot of the time, the player that's got that instruction on will just be sitting in more space. Okay. Um, as opposed to if they were just left on balance. And I've been using that on De Bruyne. It's not really like the ideal player to have on that, but... It's just the only player that I've got at the moment that's best suited to it. This is four um, two three one, I guess. Yes, four two three one. Him as a CDM. I just feel like having someone with that instruction who's got good passing ability. Coming back to the three balls I mentioned earlier, if you can, you know, trigger a run with any of your attackers, a lot of the time, if that player who's got the, the deep blank playmaker instruction on has got good passing stats, uh-huh. they'll find that run. So it's just another thing that I've been testing out and had a bit of success with it. So I'll see how it goes, but all good so far. Um, yeah, it's uh, nothing too crazy, but it's just a, a subtle change that has been making a bit of a difference. Very interesting. Okay. Oh, here's one. I kind of know what your views are on this. It's going to be a little bit controversial, I think. What do you think of the new chemistry system and... How important do you think it is to have your players on max chemistry? Uh, I think there's positives and negatives of this new chemistry system. I like the fact that you can change the positions of players. Yeah. Although in saying that, I feel some of the secondary positions are either, you know, they shouldn't be there Crazy. on certain players yeah. or some players are just missing very obvious positions that they should be able to play. Um, so I don't know you know, the, the, the decision-making behind the certain positions that players can play. I don't think people at EA watch too much football, though. <laughs> um, I honestly don't mind it. Like, for me personally, I've been quite vocal about this over the last few years, that I don't really believe that chemistry makes much of a difference. Even on the previous chemistry system, um, I was more than happy to use certain players in my team if it meant sacrificing, you know, three players on 10 chem all down to seven chem, I would prefer to use that one player rather than using a different player and having everyone on full chem. I just have never found that, you know, having everyone on full chem makes much of a difference, to be honest. And it's the same this year. I've been using Vinicius Jr. at cam with zero chemistry or zero, I don't know what you call them, chevrons maybe? Diamonds. Diamonds. diamonds zero diamonds <laughs> and he's been completely fine like the, i've not noticed anything out of the ordinary so and what's your honestly what's your overall team chemistry that you're operating with currently 18 right that's on the high end for what i've been using i'll be honest it's more so been between 10 and 13 i would like to say right um w- up until this point i want to really underline this because i think it's important there's going to be a lot of people picking up the game, coming to this new chemistry system, freaking out, 
thinking, A, I don't understand it. B, how am I going to get the team built that I want? And I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass, Dylan, but the fact is that you are one of the best players in the world and you're playing with a team where you've got players with zero diamonds and you're not particularly fussed about playing with 10 overall chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my team right now. I don't have a single player with three. Like to some extent, it may make an it may make a difference, but no, it it won't it won't negatively affect your team and how they play. I don't think. I I noticed it as well, to be honest with you, from the times that I played drafts. I I found that when I went from playing with a draft team that had basically no chemistry whatsoever, to playing with my team that I used for Div Rivals. My Div Rivals team really just didn't feel any better at all. So I see where you're coming from. Watch this space. Right. We uh, we talked about the over-the-top through ball. And you said that if you have a certain type of striker running onto that through ball, you're going to end up in a pretty favourable position. Now, who is the striker that you particularly have in mind there? Erling Haaland. That's he him. is the best non-icon player in the game. I only say that because you're a Man City. Because fan. I haven't used the icons yet. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> like, he could be the best player in the whole game. I don't know what it is about him, but even before I played a single game, I knew he was going to be ridiculous. Right. I said he would be the best non-icon player. Uh, just based off what I used of him in the in the beta, you know. And it's safe to say, if he's not the same as he was there, he's potentially better. He's just incredible. Like, you would never expect a three-star, three-star, six-foot-five yep. player with, you know, 70 agility and balance to be as good as he is. But I think you just got to throw out that preconceived thought that, you know, players must have five-star, five-star. You know, they must be small, nimble, quick. For whatever reason, whenever you play a ball in behind, he'll just outstrength the defenders. Even if it's a 50-50, it's not a 50-50 for him. I would say it's more so 90% of the time he wins the ball over defenders. His shot is unstoppable. You take a shot from any angle, the keeper can't save it. There's too much power. He can take free kicks. I mean, the one weak point of his game is his passing. Obviously, he's not going to be able to dribble, but you don't need to dribble with this guy. If you play a through ball in behind, he will get onto it. And once you're in behind, no defender will catch you. If they do, he'll push the defender off. Once you get a shot, it's going in every time. So <laughs> it's safe to say the hype around him in the community at the moment is warranted. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked that it's taken this long for people to start you know, getting aboard the, the Harland hype train. The price is going to go to the moon, isn't it? I think uh, I, I actually bought one and sold it earlier in the week for... Uh, I think I made about 25k on it in the end. And I've already, if I held it just an extra couple of days, I'd have easily made another 30k on top of it. It's going to go to the moon, isn't it? If you, if you want to buy Haaland, I would say get on board pretty quick, right? 100%. I think he will go extinct. If not, by the time this podcast is out, I think he, he probably is extinct. But yeah. yeah, if you do manage to have the opportunity to buy him, you have to whilst you still can. He's he's a bit of a freak. I mentioned this to you earlier today. Um, 
we were talking a bit about the uh, the new acceleration styles, and his acceleration style is lengthy. Now, if you look at other strikers that have got that acceleration style, there are one, two, three, four. There are there are five of them that are rated eighty three and above. Okay, and they are top rated as Harry Kane, then just beneath Lukaku at eighty six. Then you've got Vlahovic. Vlavic, never quite got the hang of that. Then Dzeko, and then Duvan Zapata, or something. Now, I mean, they're all they're okay cards, but they're a, a pro wouldn't give them a second look, right? And and one or two of them no, as well. Absolutely I mean, not. the likes of Lukaku, he doesn't have the pace, I guess, but he's not a million miles away from Haaland in in a lot of regards. But it's just. It's that combination, isn't it? The the speed, the strength, and just... You're a fan of his positioning as well, I think, aren't you? Yeah, I found him personally to have the best AI movement or AI attacking movement on the game. Some of the mo- the runs he makes, whether that be like for the through balls from like your own half mm. or even in the box, like when you're playing around the box. There was an occasion today where I turned with Dembele and as soon as I turned, he darted in front of the defender waiting for the pass. It was, I think that alone is one of the biggest reasons why he's so good is just his movement. And when you combine that with the speed and the strength, every time that he makes that movement, he'll get in front of the defender. It, it's a mystery to me. He's got 89 positioning. There, there are cards that have got much better positioning stats than that, attackers. But yeah, as I say, I, I bought him, I tried him, used him, and I, I found exactly the same thing. So at the risk of advising people to go out and buy a card that's extinct, which we obviously don't want to do, uh, still says if you can get him, certainly do. Right, sticking with players, let's consider... Uh, I know you played a lot of drafts at the start of 23 when it first came out in Early Access. There's going to be a lot of people that have just got the game they're just building the squads right now and i'm sure people would be interested to know if you have come across any what we would call cheap beasts so cards that players might overlook that don't cost a fortune but but you've been pleasantly surprised by them oh it's difficult to say like i don't know how cheap we're gonna get but well one player that you initially brought my attention to was richarlison that's right now, I hadn't used him until a draft today, but he was very good. Mm. So I can confirm Richarlison, one of the better players that I've used around that price. Um, Just to say as well that if you are building any kind of starter squad at the time of recording this podcast, uh, you can pick Richarlison up for 3,300 coins, which is obviously a bit of a snip. And... He's got that five-star weak foot. That's that's the thing that first turned me on to him. Four-star skills, and he's really flexible. You can you can play him pretty much anywhere across a uh, a front three. Really, he can he can play out wide through the middle. Yeah. Anyway, enough of my uh, loving with Richarlison. Anybody else? It's difficult to say. I think there was one midfielder that I used. I think it was Zambo Angisa from Napoli. I don't know how much he costs, but he was very good as a CDM. Yeah, he's and then it, he's again when I was playing my uh, 
my low end div rivals games. I came across him a few times, and again, you know, a, a real handful. And he's he's currently going for for two thousand three hundred. So again, if you're building your uh, your budget squads, definitely have a look. I can't really think of many others. I'm trying to get a defender, so I've covered you know attack, midfielder. Defender. You spoil pros. You don't really pay attention to any cards that cost less than six hundred thousand coins, do you? I suppose. No, no, that's the issue. <laughs> At least you're honest, still. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I'd given a bit more thought about like my drafts and looked at players as if I was still running a road to glory like FIFA 20, then I'd probably be better equipped to answer this. But it's a bit difficult. You've got me trying to think of a centre back now. Uh, one that's been very good. I don't know how much he is. I think he's not too much because I packed him today. Was Diego Carlos? Ah, he's pretty good. Yes, I think he's he's pushing. Slightly higher than the uh, than the other two. Not a great deal though. Four thousand two hundred coins. There you go. Uh, good all round defender, Diego Carlos. Always pretty solid. We're not going to go back to recommending goalkeepers because that would be suicide. There are no good goalkeepers. They are all rubbish. Don't. I I, I would say to people. I would urge you not to spend a massive amount of coins on your goalkeeper if if you are building a squad early on. Just get somebody in there that can that can do the perfunctory stuff, that can do the basics, because I don't think for your extra 100, 150,000 coins, you're actually going to get value for that. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't think so. There we go. Right. So we're going to have time to squeeze in a question, and I want to preface that question by asking you, what are your favourite skill moves this year so far? So far, it would be the new L1 heel-to-heel. Mm. I think people are referring to it as the Phantom Glide. The Phantom Glide? Yeah. Not, not the Phantom Menace. People are referring to it as. That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Obviously, you need four-star skills to do that, but it seems to be really good creating space for passes, you know, beating defenders. Um, just just to kind of to kind of explain how that works, it's basically... It's, ba- it's a... Yeah... I wish I hadn't said that now. How do you describe it? It's it's basically the it's a combination of the heel to heel and the ball roll, isn't it? It's a heel to heel that exits slightly to the player's right, uh, with the ball roll. Yeah. Oh, that's probably the best way to describe it. Thank you. And it's very similar to another one that I like, which is L one fake shot. There's two different variations of it. Ah, the open up, yeah. Yeah, depending on how far you you know, angle the left stick, uh, when exiting you can get the one that either you exit like it's almost 90 degrees otherwise it's more of like a 45 degree turn i really like the one that's sharper mm. i feel like in the box if your opponent doesn't read which way you're going properly it's really easy to beat that defender so i think those two are the ones i've been having the most joy with uh, aside from the typical elastico reverse elastico right. have you tried the uh the good old standing la croqueta or standing elastico where you you're basically running, you tap L1 or LB to stop and then wait for the defender to commit and then just go around them with the Elastico or La Croqueta because that was a big deal in 21. It was nerfed a bit in 22. I think it's back. Yeah, I think I don't think the L1 Elastico has ever gone, especially from pro gameplay. It was always there. Um, but that's a big feature of gameplay this year that you'll see amongst the top players. Yeah, L1 stop into elastico or reverse elastico that's it's just an easy way of moving 
as opposed to left stick dribbling. So it's probably one of the most effective ways to, to beat a man in the box or create space in the box. We're giving too many secrets away here, Bill. Yeah, I think so as well. Let's, let's end the podcast. Uh, before we do, we've got a question from a chap called at Donnell Freak, who uh, very good Twitch streamer. Highly recommend him if you're if you're into American sports. Um, I've spent a lot of time over the summer getting great advice from from Donny uh, on how to play Madden and um, and MLB the show. But Donny is going to be playing FIFA over the the coming months, and his question is: If I have one hour to try and master a new skill, what should I go and practice? It's a good question. Um, I do think the two skills I mentioned: the Phantom Glide, Phantom Menace, and we can refer to it as Phantom Menace <laughs> on here. I insist. I think learning that one is really important. Um, it's just an easy way to create space for a pass, for example. It's it's one of the best ways to move in the midfield, transitioning from you know the midfield line to the offensive line. Yeah, it's it's glitchy. I think that one. It? It's 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 almost impossible to tackle it. It's it's really hard to lay a it foot is. on the ball it's, when somebody does it. It's a bit reminiscent of the La Croqueta in FIFA nineteen. Yeah, I would say. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say that's that's the one skill move if you're looking for any then that's the one you should be adding to your arsenal. I am, I do completely agree with you. I think it's by far the most um, OP skill in FIFA 23. But uh, what I always say to people when they're first trying to learn new skills or they're trying to add that first wrinkle to their game, ball roll, ball roll, ball roll. It's, it's simple. It's Tell the people why they should add the ball roll to the game deal. Funny enough, you mentioned that the ball is probably, I'm not exaggerating this, the most used skill move for me. Like, yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. I just genuinely use it like almost with every player that I take a touch with. Like take a first touch, ball, open up the angle for an, a pass or change the angle. It's just the easiest way of creating new angles and finding finding passing. Gosh, what's the word? I've forgotten this word. Oh, no. To be fair, it is like <laughs> seven in the morning there and you haven't been to bed yet, isn't it? Almost. <laughs> um, passing. No, it's like a passing path, kind of. like It's another word for, for like a path. If if anybody listening has any answers, uh, you can contact Dylan on at the Campbell. <laughs> this, keeps, this keeps happening on stream as well. I keep forgetting, forgetting certain words and I get so mad with myself. Lane? Passing lane? Passing lane, yes. That's on. It creates like a new angle for passing lanes that wouldn't originally be open. Yeah. That's why you should learn the ball roll. I'm, I'm pleased we got there. <laughs> I think also as well, uh, just one thing that I'd add about the ball roll is that it it kind of it makes you harder to to predict. It makes it harder for your opponent to uh, to hone in on your tempo kind of thing um, because obviously if you if you do a ball roll, it's harder for him to predict where you're where you're going. He may have been going in to make a tackle, and you've ball rolled off on on another direction, more or less. And actually, what you said there, Dylan, is is pretty much how I when I'm encouraging people to to add the ball roll to the game. That is pretty much how I how I teach it. I'll tell them to go into something like a squad battles game or a game that doesn't particularly matter, the friendlies, and do exactly what you've just said with with every touch that they take with a player. Don't move the ball on until they've done a ball roll. 
and just get used to to how it does you know as you say open up the lanes and change the tempo and yes the simple ball roll donny that would be uh that would be my advice so yes right i think that pretty much wraps it up dill i, th- I think we've covered everything that the that the community are talking about at the moment uh some great tips the last question we did kind of touch on it but we glossed over it if you had to make a prediction as to what the meta will be this year do you think it's going to be pretty similar to let's be honest the last two or three years or do you think we might see something new well it's it's difficult to say because obviously yeah. we're in the yeah, first yeah, yeah. edition of the game it depends what patches it's a really made. unfair question Assuming all things were to stay yep. similar or not change too much, I would say people dropping back the defenses um, and just trying to counter, play those through balls, Boo. as I mentioned before. Otherwise, a lot of it will just be, again, if it's two good players playing against each other, like top-tier players, I can see it being a bit yep. of a slugfest, like very careful with mm-hmm. how they're moving the ball very slow build up until they reach the box and then honestly if they don't change keepers and the way these travella shots or power shots are it could become a game where people are either playing for just specifically long shots and hoping they go in or purposefully playing for set pieces like corners and having a go-to corner strategy that they find that works consistently and then, you know, just hoping to score one or two goals per game just off those set pieces. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. From from the mouth of Dylan Campbell, this year's meta is going to be drop back, counter-attack with through balls. What a rodent. He's probably going to end up playing five at the back before before the month is out as well, I would imagine. I hope not. <laughs> Dylan, that's brilliant, mate. That's uh, That's really good stuff. Really appreciate it. Where can people actually find you in case you do forget a word while you're streaming? Where are you on Twitter? Well, my Twitter has remained the same. At is D Campbell. It's a new pod though, Dylan. People won't know this. D Campbell 20 underscore. And it's true. You can find me on Twitter at D Campbell 20 underscore. What, what about Twitch, Dil? Where, where are you on Twitch? Because you're streaming quite regularly and I think that it's one of your goals this year to, to make sure you keep that up, isn't it? It is, yep. Uh... Got a new Twitch name affiliated with my new organization. So you can find me on Twitch at footwiz underscore Dylan. Um, obviously trying to stream a bit more consistently this year, trying to make it, you know, a thing that I do not just focus on competitive FIFA entirely. So yeah, looking forward to that this year. Cool. Right. That's a good place to leave it. Dylan, top man. Hope you're going to be back as quite a regular going forward through the weeks. Certainly before you get stuck into the... Uh, I think the pro scene doesn't really kick off until after Christmas this year, does it? No, no. If if it does, it's maybe yeah. one competition. But I don't think we've got anything until Brilliant. January. No excuses. So we're going to hear a lot more from Dylan over the coming weeks. Dylan, thanks ever so much for your time, mate. Good luck with your climb up to the elite division. I'm sure you'll get there in no time. And yeah, we'd love to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. I look forward to being back.